we have covered in three parts here so far. Uh, the diakonate, which is just a word that we put in English from a Greek word, diakonos, which is where we get the idea of deacon, servant here as an official role, an office in the church. And we have covered uh, in uh, detail here the motivation for deacons in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 13, which says that there is a reward for serving well as a deacon. We looked at the, uh, the character of deacons in 1 Timothy 3, verses 8 through 12. In his personal life, uh, his doctrine, what he holds to, uh, the way he manages his family, uh, and then the testing and affirmation of the congregation, the church, on that man as someone who would serve well in that role. Then last time we looked at what deacons are from some of the prototypes in Acts chapter 6 in the last time two weeks ago. The servant's heart of the deacon. And we saw that deacons are distinct from elders. They do not serve in an authoritative role as an overseer of the church. They serve in a servant uh, idea, more of, more of a, a tangible, practical needs role. And they serve to uh, benefit the elders in the congregation in a way that frees up the elders, the overseers, to minister the word and prayer from Acts chapter 6. This morning, I'd like to uh, look at uh, the sister help of the diaconate from 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 11. But before we do, I'd like you to look in Luke chapter 8. Women have always been an important part of the Christian church. Even in Jesus' ministry, there were women who were pulling strings and were making things happen. In Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3, Luke kind of opens us up to this idea, and it says, And it came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village, preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. By the way, don't miss that. He said, preaching and showing the good news. Preaching and showing, show and tell. Alright, there are actions and there is a message uh, that flows uh, in the good news. And the twelve were with him. And notice, he doesn't just say the twelve. And notice the next verse, verse two, it says, And certain women. That word certain means there were some specific, strategic, key women with Jesus. Women who had been transformed. Which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. People who had seen Christ minister His grace in their lives. And Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, Susanna, and many others, notice, which ministered, which served unto him of their substance. These people served Jesus. These ladies served Jesus. And what I'd like you to do is make a beeline to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 11. And we're going to see a specific way, specific role in the church of God that Jesus has instituted for women to serve. Now, this isn't the only role, but there's a specific role here that I believe we'll be able to see. In 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 11, in the context of deacons here, Timothy has said in verses 14 and 15, These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly, 
But if I tarry long, I want you to understand this, he says. If I'm not there yet, if I can't get to you yet, I'm writing this letter so that this happens. These goals happen. What is it? That thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself or conduct yourself in the household of God, in the house of God, which is a church in the original language of the living God, the pillar and ground of the church of the truth. He says, I want you to know what your conduct is to be, how the church of God is to be administered. The local church is to be administered. Now. That is why he writes this book. And so in chapter 3, he has talked about elders, overseers, bishops, pastors. And verses 1 through 7. Verses 8 through 13, he talks about deacons. In there is this verse, verse 11. Even so, must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Now... This is interesting because that word there in the verse 11, even, is the word that he has uh, used in other places that's translated likewise, in this manner, okay? So in this manner, likewise, so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. You might notice in your translation there that there are some italicized words in verse 11. Those have been added by the translators to add an interpretation to give the sense of what they believe the original was saying. So, but literally, in the original it says, likewise, or even so... And then that next word is, what, the, what our translators have translated wives, that word is the Greek word, gune. And it's the word for woman, general word for woman. It can be translated wife as well. But literally, in the original language, it says women in like manner. Women in like manner. Now, why is that important? Well, there is a question here then, as we look at the original Who are these women that he's talking about? What are they to be like? And what are they to do? Who are these women? What are they to be like? And what do they do? Are these, and uh, uh, those who have studied this passage, give three options for who these women are. First of all, some of them say, and a very small minority say, that Paul is talking about women in general in the church. Christian women in general in the church. In other words, all the women in the church need to be like this. And that is true. That all the women in the church need to have these character qualities, right? I mean, um, Christ's church doesn't need uh, women that are not serious about the things of God. That are slanderers, right? Uh, that are not self-controlled. Uh, it's not like um, Jesus says, all right, I want a few of you to, to work on some of the self-control people, but the rest of you, you, you know, you just go, you, you're, you're good the way you were. And uh, there's a few of you who need to, if you want to be at this level of leadership here, you need to, you need to work on your, on your slandering, your tongue, your gossip. Uh, but the rest of you, you go ahead and carry that on. That's, that's working really well. That's not, that's not, that's not uh, what, he, what he's saying here. So certainly, the scripture does expect that our ladies fit these character qualifications. But I want to say in the context that he is not talking about women in general. The other option is, as our translators here have translated, and a few other translations have translated it, um, that it could be the wives of deacons. Wives of deacons. <clears throat> um, and the third option is 
And, and there's actually four options, but the last two kind of run together. The third and fourth option, they're either women who are assisting the deacons or what, what the church has come to call deaconesses. Deaconesses, all right? So, who are these women? Well, I want you to know that there is no definite article in the original language. And what that means is this. In verse 11, it doesn't say, the women, all right? So, it leaves the the one who is translating from Greek to English uh, to interpret what Paul meant. He leaves it open a little bit, all right? And in your translation, uh, also in the ESV, uh, the New English Bible, the NIV, a variety, even the, the Holman Christian Standard Bible, they have translated verse 11 as the wives of deacons. The wives of deacons, alright? So there's some translations that in, uh, interpret this word for woman, that's translated wives in your translation here, uh, many of your translations, uh, to mean that Paul is giving instructions for the wives of those who are appointed uh, as deacons. That is a possibility. That is a possibility. Others, as I've mentioned, have simply translated it generally as women. Women in general. All right? Um, and I believe the uh, uh, Kenneth Weist and his expanded translation, some of you have uh, done some um, um, study into some of the original language, you might be familiar with Kenneth Weist, the Moody Bible. He's translated it that way, generally as women. Uh, the New American Standard, um, uh, the American Standard Version, etc., have translated it generally as women. All right? There's a challenge here, though, to determine, is the apostle speaking of women as Christian women in general here, these wives of deacon, or women who assist deacons like deaconesses? So I really think we need to think through this issue uh, here. Don't, don't, I hope your eyes don't get glazed over here. There's, there, we need to be better equipped to, to honor and serve the word. And this, this issue is, not, is too important to just gloss over here. All right. It demands that we really think about each possibility here uh, and not just give a cursory glance and move on. All right. So I want you almost first of all consider the possibility that Paul is using the term um, uh, gunikos, which is translated here in our King James here as wives, for Christian women in general. Um, <clears throat> to, now, any time that uh, a speaker says this is the this is the the options, and he starts off with the first one, that's probably the one that's. He's not going to take, right? Um, but uh, the, that possibility doesn't appear feasible uh, for these reasons, because it seems as though Paul is giving these um, standards here for offices of the church, and then all of a sudden it seems like if that's the, that's the position you're going to take, that he's speaking about women generally, then he's interrupted his, 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 uh, his, his presentation here. It doesn't fit the context well. And just about um, every, every commentator that I looked into in this passage uh, really said that that, that view uh, uh, seemed the most uh, improbable, the least probable. And, uh, and I would agree with them because it seems as though if, that, if, if Paul is saying just women in general are to be this way, and he's introducing this just new criteria for the women in the congregation. He's doing it pretty irrationally. He's breaking up his, his train of thought. And that's really out of character for Paul. He likes to stay in a, in a theme here. Now, James might do that. He's kind of here and there and here and there. Uh, but, but Paul, he, he kind of has a, a focus here, a train of thought. And um, it, it, just, it just doesn't fit the context here. And so while we would say that all Christian women... 
should avoid slander and work at being dignified and sober-minded or self-controlled and faithful in all things, as the rest of verse 11 says. That interpretation that Paul's talking about Christian women in general does not seem to fit the context. And so I'm going to, I'm going to throw that one out. The second possibility is that Paul is speaking of deacons' wives, and that is uh, how it is uh, translated here in this particular translation. And that does appear somewhat reasonable, doesn't it? Um, He's talking about deacons, and that's sandwiched in the middle, so he could be talking about deacons' wives. Uh, This is a discussion of standards for appointment as a deacon. In other words, if a deacon does not have this kind of a wife, then perhaps he shouldn't be in the discussion for being a deacon. And I think there's some credence to that. That he's giving extra instructions about the suitability of an individual being considered for a deacon based on his wife's character. And those who favor that view, uh, they note that the, the continuation for the criteria of deacons continues after verse 11, doesn't it? What does he say? Um, uh, let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their uh, children in their own house as well, etc. Here. Um, so it gets back to deacons again. And so that's a possibility here. Um, so he's, he's, uh, he's not breaking his line of reasoning, talking about women in general, but he's, he's continuing his thought here uh, for the criteria for appointing deacons. And so when he speaks of that word that's re- literally in verse 11, women, he's talking about uh, the deacons' wives, possibility, possibly. And uh, so men, and the, the reason, some of the reasons behind that is the men who are serving as deacons, they might need their wives to assist them in that particular ministry and serving the church and strengthen the, the, the ministry. And those are some of the strengths of that position here. Here's some of the questions, though, I do have about that, uh, that position. Um, and it seems to me in Acts chapter 6, when the men were selected, who I believe to be the prototypes of the deacons, they didn't also select their wives with them. And uh, you, as a, as a pastor, uh, as a pastor, you did not select my wife with me to serve in, uh, as a team. Now, we understand the husbands and wives are inseparable, I understand. But my wife does not serve as a, in, a, in, a, in an overseeing role. Um, so th- that, that seems to be a weakness there in my mind. Um, uh, they didn't pick de- deacon teams, they picked those six men, right? It doesn't say anything about their, uh, their, their wives. Um, and it, it seems as though if wives were necessary for, for, for fulfilling the role of a deacon, it, you would think that if it was that important, it would be addressed in other places in the Word of God. Uh, one of the other reasons it, is that it seems surprising to me and kind of perplexing that if this is a qualification for deacons' wives in verse 11 then why is it there similar conditions for the wife of an elder who is serving an even greater role? That's one of the big questions I would have. Uh, wouldn't, wouldn't it make sense if Paul is doing Ephesians, uh, or 1 Timothy 3 and talking about elders and their character, then wouldn't he have a section about elders' wives as well, being a, having a certain kind of character? Um, so that's one of the questions. Uh, with me. But there's also two additional things that to me seem to uh, um, not, uh, not allow me to accept that deacons' wives are in view here, and it's this. <clears throat> it would have been very easy if Paul was talking about deacons' wives to simply say, their wives. 
referring to deacons, their wives. He doesn't say that. There is no there in there, all right? There is no uh, pronoun there. And um, uh, it has been added in your uh, translation by the translators uh, there, their wives, but it's not in the original. And he could have very easily done that, just as he does in Ephesians 5 when he talks about um, husbands loving their own wives, etc. Um, uh, but, but, but he doesn't do that. There is another reason here. The other argument here, uh, in my understanding, against the wives of deacons being in view, is that Paul uses this word, likewise. Translated here, even so. He's used that word, likewise. And when that word is used, especially in Paul's writings, that is used to introduce a new group. A new group. Uh, a second or third in a series. And here in chapter 3, we have a series of offices in the church. For instance, Paul has um, uh, spoken of in chapter 2 of his desire for men to pray. Alright? In chapter 2, verse 8. Then notice what he says in verse 9. It says in chapter 2, verse 9, it says, In like manner also, that's the idea, the word likewise, likewise, okay? In like manner also, the women, alright? Men do this, women do this, uh, etc., okay? Um, Even in chapter 3, after Paul has presented the qualifications for an elder in verse 8, that same word, likewise, the deacons, And then in verse 11, translated even so, but it's the word likewise. So another group here. Alright, seems to be the pattern. So it seems like this word likewise with the Apostle Paul, he's transitioning from one group to the other. That seems to be the way he uses this. And since he's speaking in deacons, and he's not finished with his qualifications for, of a deacon, then we need to understand, I believe, that he's presenting qualifications for a group that's going to function in the diaconate, in the deacon group. Women who are assisting the deacon ministry. And so I think the third possibility is the one that I favor here, that Paul is speaking of women who assist the deacons, or called in some places in uh, traditions deaconesses. Now, at the time that Paul wrote there was no Greek word for deaconesses. It was a word for male. Later on, there was a word that was used for that. But there was no word that could be used to indicate a female filling the role of a servant of the church. You see, in other languages, there are, there are male and female words. Some of you may be taking a Spanish or another language understand that there's also neuter words. Um, but in later days, that word, uh, diaconate, there also came to be a female version of that, diaconissa. Indicating female deacons, and it was used among the churches, the early churches. And, um, it wasn't until about the 4th century A.D. that that term was used frequently. But at the time that Paul was writing, the best he could do would, was, would, would be to speak of women while writing of the qualifications of, of the deacon. I know this is a little clinical, and maybe some of it's uh, uh, hard to follow here, but I want you to understand this. That women served in this role can't be denied, even in Scripture, I believe. If you go with me to Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. 
Paul introduces Phoebe, a woman named Phoebe, and he calls her a deacon. In Romans chapter 16, verses 1 and 2, he says, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at century. That's not the word servant like doulos, that's generally servant. That's the word uh, of someone who's a minister, someone who serves, okay? It's the word we get deacon from. He says, a servant of the deacon of the church, which is that sentry, that ye receive her in the Lord as becometh saints, and that ye assist her in whatever business she hath need of you. For she hath been a secure of many and of myself also. Secure means a benefactor. She was a partner in the ministry. Uh, they're serving, not on the role of an elder and authority, but serving in the, in the, in the manner of, of, a, of, of a deaconess. And it's very early there in the history of the churches that women had been appointed to, to positions of servanthood among the churches. And something very interesting here. There is a letter written by Pliny the Younger in the Roman Empire to the Emperor Trajan who was no friend of Christianity, dating all the way back to 112 AD. So this is like living in the shadows of the apostolic age, there of the early church. And he writes this letter because he wants to, he's trying to find out how to discover whether these uh, people that they're arresting are Christians or they're merely troublemakers. And so he writes this, one of his paragraphs, he, he talks about those who are being charged as Christians, and he says this. He says, Also declaring that the substance of their guilt or error amounted to no more than this. This is also kind of interesting into understanding the gathering of the early Christians. He says, Here was, here's, here's the crime. It was no more than this, he says. They customarily gathered before dawn on a fixed day to sing in alternation a hymn to Christ as if to a God. And they bound themselves by an oath, not in a criminal conspiracy, but to refrain from robbery, theft, or adultery, from breaking their word, from reneging on a deposit. There, by the way, is the idea of a church covenant. After this, they usually dispersed, reassembling later on in order to take food of a common and harmless kind. And so I believe that it was all the more necessary to seek the truth from two female slaves who were called ministers doing so by means of torture. I found nothing except a degenerate, excessive superstition. Now, when he says two female slaves called ministers, the word he uses uh, there is the Latin word ministre, which is often translated in English as deaconesses. He's not talking about minister like we think in our churches, like the minister and the pulpit, but, but, a, but, a, but a deaconess. So we recognize, even in the early church, that women served in this way. Uh, not too long after, uh, Clement of Alexandria, around A.D. 150 to A.D. 220, he speaks of, of women deacons or, or ministering women or a fellow deacons who travel with the apostles, not as wives, but as sisters. Another uh, early church writer writes this. Uh, um, he says, First um, Timothy 3.11 teaches with the authority of the apostle that even women are instituted deacons in the church. This is the function which was exercised in the church of Centria by Phoebe. Here are women deacons in the church, women who by their good works serve to be praised by the apostle, ought to be accepted of the diaconate. He's talking about women who served with deacons, doing deacon kind of work. 
And remember, what is deacon kind of work? It's not overseeing the church. It's not teaching the church. It's serving in a variety of ways. And we have women that are doing that right now, just without the title. And to me, it seems clear that God has instituted women who have a a major serving role in the church to assist. And the deacons are not an authoritative role, but under the oversight of the elders, remember. So, uh, in my understanding, I understand that these women here in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 11, are serving as women who assist the deacons. Now, you might wonder, well, what would they do? Well, we're going to get there. First of all, I want you to look at how, what, what the qualifications for these women. Look at 1 Timothy 3.11. Even so, Mr. Wise be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. So there are fourfold things here for these women, alright? Character qualifications. And they mirror what has already been written about men. Paul isn't really adding anything. He's just um, adding clarity to the qualification for women who are going to uh, be appointed to, to this position. And the first requirement is has been translated grave. That's the idea of dignified. Dignified. That's also used to the deacons earlier. There. <coughs> um, excuse me. <coughs> In verse 8, likewise must the deacons be grave. Dignified. Okay? Um, there is a there, there there is a dignity. There is a uh, it's the idea of being worthy of respect, respected by others. A seriousness doesn't mean they never smile, but they're serious about eternal things, the things of God. Serious about serving God. Uh, reverent. Uh, it, it can have shades of meaning of of high principle or good character. People you, you could respect in your church. So women receiving this kind of appointment must be of such character uh, that they are looked up to by the congregation. Ladies that are looked up to. Because they live in such a manner that outsiders, uh, the people outside of the church, would even think highly of them because of their good deeds and righteous behavior. Then he also says um, that women appointed to this position must not be slanderers. And that is also uh, mirrored in the concepts here of the, of the other uh, offices here. Um, in verse 8, Paul says that deacons must not be double-tongued there. So women here uh, who have been appointed to this position must not be malicious gossips. <clears throat> the word slanderers is the word diabolos. And literally, in the feminine form, Paul's saying they can't be she-devils. They have to be women who are controlling their, their, their tongues. They, they have to, they, they, they don't, because ministry, there are things that are exposed and all kinds of stuff here that, that, I mean, you can't control your tongue, then you have no part of this. And Paul says, cannot be like that. Uh, that is a word that is used of the devil. He's called the slanderer, right? He slanders us before Christ, and Christ says, no, my righteousness is on them, right? He's the slanderer. Um, and slander and gossip is the devil's work. And, and if you are engaging in that kind of activity, you're speaking the devil's language. He really likes that language. 
and women who are serving in this role here may enter into homes um, uh, where men might not have any business entering, uh, and, and they might hear things that they dare not repeat in other situations. Uh, they have to be on guard lest they are caught up in, in their position in, in, in serving the devil. They, they might uh, function, serve in the home life of the congregation. They might be acquainted with someone's domestic circumstances. And they cannot have a tongue that is speaking the language of the devil. They must be free of tendencies to talk in one house about the affairs of another. And if they failed in this, they are opening themselves to slander and gossip. And, and Paul saying they cannot serve in this office if they're like that. Let the application rest where it may. Right? Notice he also says here in verse 11, sober. Sober. If they are appointed to serve within a congregation, they must be sober. Uh, the word that Paul uses here, he chooses, is, is, is the idea of being tempered or self-controlled. Self-controlled. That could refer to substances, certainly couldn't it? But it also could refer to um, being someone who's controlled by fear, controlled by impulses, um, um, somebody who is um, controlled by emotions. This is somebody who is stable, okay? Uh, moderate in their speech as well as in their actions, they don't have excesses in their lives. Um, the only excess in their life is love for their master. That's excessive in a good way. Any other excesses cannot be characterizing their life. They are not controlled by emotions. They are not controlled by feelings. They are stable. They are controlled by faith. Controlled by faith. Then there's a fourth character quality there in verse 11. Faithful in all things. Faithful in all things. You say, well, that's nobody. <laughs> Who is faithful in all things? Well, remember, faithfulness doesn't mean you don't mess up. Faithfulness is the overall pattern of your life. Okay? Faithfulness in all things. Okay? And so, um, that's it's kind of a similar requirement Paul's given to the male deacons in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 9, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. Um, but faithfulness here is more of, of your track record. All right? Uh, they have to have a track record of faithfulness here. And, and not just faithfulness in this area. And this one, boy. No, it says, he says faithfulness in all things. And so their approval by the congregation would be an easy appointment. Now, that tells us that these ladies need to be dependable. Dependable. Finally, you might ask yourselves, what does somebody in this role do? How do they serve? Well, I hope that what we went through, though some of it was kind of complex there, especially at the beginning there, doesn't just seem like an academic exercise here. Because this matter is very important to the health of the household of God. And I am convinced that God can use women in this role and use them powerfully and quietly. In ways that we might not even be aware of. You see, the desire of God is that His people are to care for the weak. 
They're to care for the vulnerable among them. And there are limits to what I, as a male elder, can do with women. How I can serve women. But God has approved a, a, a group of people that will fulfill these responsibilities. And men, the male deacons, uh, have, have, have instances where they would not want to enter into some circumstances and help. Uh, entering a home, or the, there might be the possibility of someone misunderstanding their intent. And, and that's why churches from the earliest days have appointed deaconesses to provide these ministries of mercy and care. Remember, according to Acts 6, the primary way, one of the primary ways that deacons serve is to serve the least among us. And by that I mean the world's definition of the least. Those who have the least. And that's found throughout the Word of God, um, especially in the Old Testament. Consideration of the poor, the troubled, the fatherless, the widows, etc. Um, the, war, the Lord watches over the sojourners, um, uh, the, 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 those passing through hospitality, etc. Well, here's what we have. I think we have here uh, women who are devoted Women who are devoted. They're devoted. What does that mean? Listen to God's heart, even in Israel, from Deuteronomy chapter 12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? By the way, Micah kind of quotes this later on in chapter 6, verse 8. Jesus quotes it in the Gospels and hits home at the hearts of the Pharisees as neglecting the needful things. What does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, to love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord which I am commanding you today for your good. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth, with all that is in it. Yet... The Lord set his heart in love on your fathers and chose their offspring after them, ye above all peoples as you are this day. Circumcise therefore the foreskins of your heart and be no longer stubborn. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty and awesome God, who is not partial and takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow. He loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. And then he tells them to love the sojourner, the ones passing through, because you are once sojourners in the land of Egypt. You see, when we look at what the deaconesses do from some of church history, we find that they assisted in women's baptisms and they performed a lot of charitable work as openings to the gospel and care for their own members. Deaconesses devoted themselves to the care of the sick and the poor, especially of their gender. Uh, she was present at interviews uh, of women who would be desiring church membership. She instructed, the deaconesses instructed women in, uh, the, in, the, in the doctrines. They kept order and the, in the, in the, in the, in the, helped keep order in the church to make things function smoothly. Um, there are a variety of things that women did. But I think we could get a little taste of God's desire... In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 9 and 10. For 
Paul gives instruction for the care of widows and qualifications for the care of widows in their church. And he says this, Let not a widow be taken into the number under three score years old, having been the wife of one man. The number being the specific church care. Here's here's a description of a woman uh, who is dependable and devoted. Alright, here it is. Ready? Well reported of for good works. If she have brought up children, if she have lodged strangers, by the way, they don't have to be your own children. If she have lodged strangers, that's a word there. Strangers, that means sojourners, passing passers through. If she have washed the saints' feet, if she have relieved the afflicted, and that word afflicted is, is a, has a whole bunch of different layers to it. I mean, that could be afflicted uh, in sickness, could be afflicted financially. It, it's, it's wide, that word is a word that's wide open. And it means people who are really in desperate need of help. If she had diligently followed every good work, Paul says, you have a special eye on them and you take care of those ladies. That might give us a little lens into what God expects. That's To me, that's deaconess work. That's women who have shown themselves faithful, cared for others. And I, I want to tell you this, that... Um, whatever your uh, position or interpretation is in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 11. That's not really important. What is important is God has given us women who serve in this way, whether you give them the title or not. And they have been doing it. And we're to honor those women. And uh, they are functioning in a very important role in our church. I mentioned in the days uh, uh, where it seemed like they kind of faded away through church history as um, a lot of churches move toward infant baptism for some reason. Um, but uh, I think there is, is a resurgence in looking into God's Word and saying, what again does it say? But um, if, if, if deaconesses were to fulfill this ministry in the churches today, I'm convinced that God would be glorified. And the faith of Christ Jesus would be advanced as the community watches people who love and serve. And so I'm telling us that um, uh, this idea of deacons and um, deaconesses who minister as uh, ministers of mercy. Do this to the praise of the glory of Christ in our church. They have displayed works through the grace of God that shine and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. And I know God's been working in the hearts of some people. Perhaps you know more actively than, than I can even imagine. I, one person say, for every one thing that you know God is doing, He's doing 10,000 more that you're never even aware of. Um... But God is, 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 is passionate about raising up men and women who serve in many times this neglected capacity of the church. And he requires his grace to do it. But he is given all of his grace to do it. Power to do it. And um, I'm so thankful for those who have served and done things in this way. And don't Think it a small thing.
I want you to listen to what Paul says. Or excuse me, what the psalmist says. In Isaiah. Maybe in your mind you might be thinking of James chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. You know, about pure religion. But in Isaiah chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, one of the indictments against Israel was their hardness and callousness to those in need among them. And he says this, God says to Israel, And when you spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Wash you, make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. That's justice. That's the word for justice. Seek justice. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Plead the widow's cause is the idea. You know what he's saying there? He's not saying that's the end of all things. But that is the fruit of people who have rested in God's mercy. His mercy to other people. And it's through those things that God opens all kinds of tremendous doors for the gospel. And opens bridges. And I believe God has instituted this office here of deaconess. Together with the deacon. To serve in this manner particularly. Let's close in prayer.